Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. A leper came to Jesus begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely, and to spread the word, so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. O Lord, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Some of you may have heard a few weeks ago an interview on public radio with a man named Jose Ramirez. He's just written a memoir about growing up with Hansen's disease, more commonly known as leprosy. He grew up in Texas, and in 1969, he was diagnosed after years of doctors trying to figure out what was wrong with his skin and what was wrong with the feeling in his hands and in his feet. Fortunately for us in the 21st century, in the 20th century back then, we had antibiotics. And as you may know, Hansen's disease is a bacterial infection which is highly responsive to antibiotic drugs. However, even in the 20th century, Hansen's disease came with a stigma, and so it took a while for this then young man to get the treatment that he needed, and eventually he was sent to Carville Hospital in Louisiana, which, until it closed about 10 years ago, was the last remaining uh, leprosy hospital in this country, although there are still uh, hospitals where it is treated uh, as a specialty, and one of them being here in Boston. He spent a good number of years there and then eventually left and was able to marry his high school sweetheart who had stuck by him. And while he was there in the community, he experienced profound connection and, uh, and joy, even amidst the sadness there. And it really became his community. And they adopted him as a son. Actually, that was his nickname among the older uh, patients there at the, at the leprosy hospital was his son. And when he went back out into the world, he took that sense of, of uh, hope and joy with him and continued actually to go back and visit the people there um, even after he left. Well, of course, until the age of antibiotics, there was no treatment for Hansen's disease. And it's a progressive disease, resulting in progressive disfigurement of the face, of the hands, of the feet, 
and disfigurement of the skin. In the Bible world that we are in, when we hear the Gospel lesson and when we hear the Hebrew Bible lesson, in the Bible world, an elaborate set of protocols grew up around skin diseases of this type. People with this disease or diseases like it had to live apart from the rest of the community, separate. They had to wear certain clothes, which signified that they were unclean. And if that weren't enough, they had to protect those who were clean by announcing where they were. If they were walking anywhere, they had to announce either with their voices or with bells or some other kind of uh, announcement that I'm unclean, get away. Keep yourself clean. In effect, participating in their own alienation and isolation. Our first story about leprosy and healing comes from the Hebrew Bible, the story of Naaman and Elisha. Naaman was a powerful general, had participated in subduing Israel, has access to enormous resources, yet still has this disease which sets him apart. A slave captured from the defeated Israelites who is in his household tips Naaman off to the place where he can receive the cure that he needs, ironically in the land of the subjugated. Naaman follows the correct political protocol and goes through the proper diplomatic channels with gifts and so forth, only to be deflected by the Israelite king who says, I can't do this. And then he's sent to Elisha, where he is then kept also at an arm's length by a prophet who may be preoccupied with something else who seems to have better things to do than to come meet face to face with a self-important general who had conquered his country. Even though Naaman has brought major gifts and a letter from the king, Elisha won't even come out to meet him and instead sends a messenger with instructions for the cure. Sort of like if one of us were to go to the doctor and we only got to see the nurse. We didn't rank getting to see the big cheese doctor. Now, understandably, Naaman is furious, but his servants convince him to swallow his pride and do as Elisha instructs him. And in doing so, he is healed. He is so impressed by this that in the part of the, of the passage that uh, just before, or um, just after we stopped today, he tries to get Elisha to accept these gifts. Elisha won't do it. So he then asks Elisha, well, can I take some of the dirt from in front of your house as home, as a memento, as a kind of reminder of the holy place where I've been, where I was healed? And Elisha says, sure, you can take the dirt. <laughs> now, I think there's a number of things, a number of reasons why Naaman might have been upset by his treatment. Some of them are, are obvious. Uh, he was used to being treated with uh, deference and respect, of course, as a general, as a, as a successful general. And he wasn't accorded that, uh, that proper respect and deference. But I imagine, getting into his head a bit, it was more than that. 
First of all, I think Elisha was probably just playing his role in the series of rituals, ritualized of fear around people who were unclean. He wasn't going to come out because he didn't want to be defiled. He didn't want to be anywhere near someone with that kind of a disease. So he sent the messenger to do that work. And so I can imagine Naaman feeling, wow, I am so dirty that this man won't even come to see me. I imagine he was probably beginning to get starved for human contact and human interaction. Remember, this is a degenerative disease. It gets worse. It gets worse. And I imagine his isolation became more and more profound. And it was sort of the epitome of it was here I've come for a cure and you won't even see me. You won't even see me. Now compare this story with a happy ending. Naaman is cured because he is humble enough to do what Elisha says. Compare this story with the story in Mark of Jesus healing the unnamed leper. Now I should uh, insert a footnote here that uh, I had the good fortune to be at the Wednesday a Bible study with a number of people who are in this room and I benefited from uh, their counsel and uh, discussion so I, 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 uh, I won't be able to sort of separate where my uh, my thinking and their thinking and other people's thinking kind of gets jumbled together so my apologies to those who are present on Wednesday if they hear something they said uh, not properly attributed now, this uh, story in the gospel, I think, is, is actually pretty confusing. It's much, more, um, it's much more confusing, I think, than meets the eye, and I'll try to unpack it a bit. But a major point of difference with the story about Elisha and Naaman is this. Where Elisha refuses contact with a big, important person who seeks him out, Jesus reaches out and actually touches, physically touches, this unnamed, who is this person who seeks him out? Now, first of all, Jesus, as a good Jew, for sure knew the customs intended to separate clean people from, from unclean people. And obviously, in coming close to Jesus, close enough to be touched, this leper was not observing them. And in touching this person in physically touching him Jesus wasn't observing the proper customs either and yet Jesus has some kind of very very strong reaction in the midst of reaching out and touching this person there was actually a lot of discussion about this in the Wednesday study group the translation that we have in front of us says that Jesus was moved with pity other translations say that he was moved with compassion. Others still say that he was angry. Another way even to translate the Greek under this is that Jesus' stomach turned. We're talking about a very deep, visceral, from the guts kind of reaction. Now why? Was he upset, whether it was, and, and what, whether, what kind of upset it was, whether it was anger or compassion or pity or, or revulsion? Why was he upset? 
Well, was it because uh, the feeling, understanding that Jesus would have had of the injustice and the isolation and the, and the alienation that had been visited upon this man because of his disease? Was Jesus' reaction something slightly akin to, say, leaping into a sewer to rescue a child who happens to have fallen through a man cover, manhole cover? Had to be done, but yuck, you know, really. Or was he upset because this particular unplanned healing was going to really mess up his plans for further ministry? Now, how would that happen? Perhaps it was this. This man practically dared Jesus to heal him, and Jesus touched him. That's what he did. But yet, since Jesus has touched this man and become unclean himself, at least by the understanding of the culture around him, Jesus would now be considered unclean. And therefore, Jesus could not just move around like he wanted to anymore into the cities and towns, preaching and teaching, which had been his plan. Just before this passage in the Gospel, it's clear that Jesus was kind of um, resting up and uh, gearing up for a real preaching and teaching ministry in the cities and towns. He can't really do that anymore because he'll be considered unclean. And more than that, this joyful blabbermouth is going around telling everybody about it so everybody will know for sure that not only was the leper unclean and now healed, but the man who had touched him and healed him was now also unclean. Jesus didn't want this notoriety. It doesn't help his mission. As uh, the preacher Fred Craddock puts it at, uh, from Emory University, he says, Jesus understood that publicity creates an audience, not a congregation. And Jesus wanted a congregation. And yet, this man, he's been healed. What else can he do? He's been made whole. This person, this Jesus person, has touched him, physically touched him, and made this disease go away. Physically, of course, but think how much more emotionally and spiritually this man has been reconnected with the community, restored to wholeness of community, reincorporated into the community. And though Jesus has to sort of step aside, can't go where he wants to go for a little while, people come to him, right? The man has been healed. He can't contain his, his joy, his euphoria. And rather than staying separate from Jesus, people come to him, even though he can't go where they are because he's considered unclean. All this is to say that I think Mark, in this gospel, wants to make clear that getting involved with Jesus is, means more than meets the eye. It means crossing boundaries. It means disorientation. It means topsy-turvy, the rules that we think we're supposed to live by. And of course, it also means suffering. But it also means new life. It means fullness of humanity. It means real, genuine contact, touching with other people across those boundaries. It means irrepressible joy. We have a model in both name and in the unnamed man who refuse to live with their isolation and their alienation. 
And by extension, we, too, can bring our unclean selves, our leprous selves, if you will, to Jesus for healing. In fact, I'd say we're all lepers in some way. We all have need for healing, for the touch of Christ. And yet it doesn't stop at that. If Jesus is our model, we are also meant to do the touching. We're meant to receive touch. We're also called to do the touching. To reach out across those boundaries, those rules and conventions that we may feel hemmed in by. We're called to break through those. To touch those who need our touch. Whether it's a physical touch, whether it's an emotional or spiritual touch. It is clear that we are called to dare as Jesus dared to reach across those boundaries to heal those we come in contact with. Amen.